I'm Ted Baker. This is the Hobart Lacrosse Podcast, Episode 64 for the final week of the regular season. A tough loss at home to the Richmond Spiders in the first ever meeting against the Spiders. And one more game with UMass with a tournament spot on the line. Joined by the head coach of the Statesman, Greg Raymond. Welcome back. Thanks, Ted. So I'm not sure where to start here, and and you're as tired of hearing these questions as I am of of asking them, but I guess let's start with defense, a team that was so good at St. Joe's and just played lockdown defense, and they give up 20 to the Spiders. What was the difference? Uh, It's always decision-making, Ted. I I think, uh, you know, we were... And and every game's different. You know, we're playing a different team, and, and uh, you know, those answers are obvious, but... um, you know, I think what what uh, Richmond does from from a two man game standpoint, and you know where they set their picks on the field, uh, the different spots that um, that they're trying to uh, attack the goal. It just uh, it put our defensemen in different areas throughout the course of the game. But you know, to be honest with you, I, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure we really executed the things that we that we worked on all week. The things that we talked about executing specifically uh, on how we're playing our two man scenarios behind the goal. I just don't think we did a great job um, making decisions back there, uh, concrete decisions. I think there were just too many instances where the the, the player with the ball had his hands free, which um, if uh, you're talking about a cardinal sin of our defense, it's having two people on the ball when uh, that person has ability to make decisions with the ball, meaning if we slide or if we switch a pick or if we double a pick, we don't communicate properly. And that ball carrier has his hands free, can see the field and make a play. Then we've done a bad job defensively. Unfortunately, we just did those things and, and, um, or didn't do those things, however you want to translate that. And then, you know, we talked all week about the ways to prevent, uh, scoring opportunities at the face-off, the ways to prevent D to offense opportunities, and and how we needed to make sure we did that. And again, uh, you know, I, I I think there's an element to who we were early in the season that happened again against Richmond. And no matter how we've spoken about it, uh, our message really hasn't gotten through. We 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 execute well when we start an early game and we have success. You know, we I don't know as though we relax, but then we start. Um, forgetting or or lose focus on the things that make a game plan work. And, you know, I think um, case in point, we talk all week about not shooting and, and scoring at or attempting to score at this goalie's feet and that everything around it was was a better opportunity. And we shoot at his feet the first two shots and they go in. And um, and then we basically lose focus of the fact that, you know, okay, he is pretty good down here. And, um, you know, we shot plenty of shots and open opportunities at his feet, and he saved a lot of them and the, and the ones that we shot elsewhere. So, um, you know, we have a great group, Ted. We have a very we have a very tough group, a hardworking group. Um, you know, it, it's it's comprised in the practices we've had already this week. They're, they're working their butts off, and we're very optimistic about Friday evening. But at the same time, we we have not shown a great ability to focus and pay attention to detail, and and I think that affected the game on against Richmond. The big turnaround in that game, you're up nine to seven. You get out to the four nothing lead. They strike a couple of blows. You strike back. It's nine seven, and then they get five straight goals in two and a half minutes. Uh, Derek Madonna starts getting involved, and it just seems like that's where it started to get away in that in that stretch. Mm-hmm. 
stings, you know, when um, a Hobart statesman has four goals on his senior day against us. You know, that's uh, pretty much everything that's wrong with Division One lacrosse, in my perspective, and in, in my opinion. Um, but it is what it is. I think the uh, uh, the point is we 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 get into these games and get into these close fights, and everything again collapses or 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 we have an inability to execute at the same time so uh shea has a pretty good face-off game throughout the course of the game and in that stint he goes early and turns it over and keeps giving possessions to richmond in a scenario where he was fairly dominant at the face-off facts unless it was that stint and then offensively we have short possessions where our pass count is low and the defense doesn't have to work. The goalie doesn't have to work. And uh, we're playing defense again. And then our defense, in turn, makes tired plays, tired decisions. We don't execute, yada, yada, yada. And it just it builds up. And I think emotionally, um, you know, we get into these scenarios. And that's why I called that timeout with still seven minutes left in that second quarter. I'm, I'm looking at Coach Fish and Coach Brundage. I'm like, here we go. We, you know, we got to chop this up. We've got to stop. We got to talk about it. We got to get a nice, lengthy possession here offensively and make sure they don't have the ball again. And so, um, you know, but uh, I think without that, without that five goal stint, we're an entirely different. It's an entirely different game. And um, I am proud of our way, the way that our guys continue to fight. You know, we put. You know, Johnny in a situation that uh, from a health-wise standpoint, I'm not sure he was all the way ready for, but, you know, he handled it very well. And a couple other guys step up. We put Chad in on the offensive end, which I'm not sure he was ready for. But um, our guys continue to fight throughout the course of that game. And and uh, we're bummed at the outcome, Ted, and wish I could put my finger on exactly why and fix it perfectly and then uh, make sure that never happens again. But we've been attempting to do that throughout the course of these um um, these losses and these games and and still haven't found a great formula and that's on our uh, that's on our coaching staff completely. Let's talk again about the banged up statesman. I know there's a limit to how much you can talk about these injuries. Anthony Detellis looked to me it, it looked like he was there as a feeder but but I didn't seem like he had his shot or his ability to get off a shot that we normally expect from him. Uh, yeah, he's still you know he's he's still fighting his way back and um, you know, some of these guys, Anthony included, Ted, don't have, haven't had a a great series or or consistent practice time. Um, their bodies just won't allow them to to be out there every day of the week, and then and then also participate on Saturday. So we got to, you know, save it a little bit for the end of the week. And and what you get there is just a you know choppy execution and you know kind of that that shell of what they're really capable of, but they're still pretty good players and, and very knowledgeable. You know, we, 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 we don't, we wouldn't put them in that position if they weren't prepared for it. But at the same time, um, you know, they're, they're not playing at the caliber that they normally can, you know, and so, or they normally should or would. Uh, so, and, and we're doing that with a couple other guys. And I think, um, you know, we, we needed uh, um, a little bit more uh, from from an in-shape or uh, a day-to-day standpoint from Anthony to get his best product. I think the same thing was happening with Brad. Same thing happens with Chad. Same thing happens with Johnny. But, I, you know, I hope that, uh, you know, as the season continues, and we're, we ain't done yet, we still have goals and, and, and a vision of how to get there, that um, we do have a more day-to-day consistency that, that 
puts out a better product for all these individual players uh, on game day. For the first time in a while, John Hurley, he stepped on the field and he looked like himself right away with a goal. What what can we expect out of him against UMass? I, he's looking pretty good. I mean, he again, I think we were we weren't we weren't sure about what he'd be capable of on that day and and practice leading up to that point. He's been playing through some pain and um but this week he's he's looked great. He's looked more like himself than he has all season and so we're uh, we're we're excited to say that he he is going to be able to start for us and, and and play in this game. So um we're uh, we're and he's going home to uh, you know, Massachusetts, where he's familiar, I think that he'll have a good following out there. So, you know, the timing of this is, is you know, it hasn't been ideal up until this point, but it, it is pretty perfect for him and us um, going up to Mass and, and, you know, hopefully Johnny making a big impact on the game. One really good sign, I thought, in an emotional game and a pretty physical game, you committed only one penalty, a very disciplined game. They, were, they took a couple of shots to the head, nobody retaliated, and you, you kept your cool where you could have lost it. Yeah, I wouldn't mind a couple other penalties in some spots, Ted, if I can be honest. But um, you know, or at least some physicality in some spots, to be honest. Um, and and I don't think our guys were, you know, energetic or aggressive or or not physical, any of that stuff. But you know, but and then you also have a man up group that goes, you know, what was it two for six or one yeah. for six or two for you know, six, we're just, uh, losing a little bit of momentum there. But um, you know, I do uh, I do appreciate uh, that that our guys and we've talked a lot about playing the game um, and making sure that uh, uncontrollable elements don't don't really determine our decision making and and uh, so I am proud that we stayed out of that box and and uh, but also would have loved our, our our man up unit to be a little bit more impactful two guys that have really come on a first year John Jude Considine had four goals another great game and uh, Troy Barthelmay finally fully healthy and, and able to use that size and strength and, and good quickness and ball movement to uh, be a big offensive piece, whether it's down low or up top and the man up. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I, I, we've we've mentioned Troy a bunch. Uh, I think he, he has more versatility than a lot of people get him cre- give him credit for. Um you know he does he does use his size there we're, we're getting him to pursue that size and making sure it's multi-dimensional and on both sides of the goal and and versatile and then you know he's a great target for you off ball and and could probably catch some balls that most defensemen can't reach um and then you see his vision come out and his ball movement ability and that man up and 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 the man-to-man as well um and John Drew just uh, uh you know a guy that is a really tough cover. He's got good quickness. He's got good power. Um, he's got different release points for a shot. And, uh, you know, I think uh, he, he's shown that, you know, as, as a sophomore here, he, he's going to be um, an exceptional contributor throughout his entire time as a statesman. All right, let's look at these tiebreakers now. We've all been studying this for a few days, and it's, it's kind of crazy stuff going into the UMass game. If you win, and if High Point knocks off St. Joe's, you're in. It's that simple. If you win and High Point loses, then we're looking at a potential three-way tie with High Point. The first tiebreaker we get to is goals allowed in head-to-head games. And the way it shakes out, if you beat UMass by four, but not 15-11, to you get in. The reason 15-11, to if that happens, then it's a three-way tie. That kicks it to the next tiebreaker, which is conference goals allowed. That one knocks you out. So the goal here is to get High Point out of this tie one way or the other either knock them up a notch or knock them down a notch, then it's simple. UMass Hobart winner gets the fourth spot. 
Yeah, man, you hammered it. <laughs> <laughs> I've been practicing this. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy what what happens in these things, and you know we we talk as you know in these conference meetings, and when you get to these tiebreakers, uh, you know it's what what, uh, and everybody has a different opinion on what's fair, what makes the most sense, and honestly, what's the easiest to comprehend, and, and right. You know, I think uh, uh, you'll hear a lot of coaches that say, "Hey, if we get there, let's flip a coin," and um, and a lot of coaches that say, "No, let's let's do things based on the progress and achievement that we've made or lack thereof." And um, but then, what's more important? Is it the goals you've scored, the goals you've given up, you've given up, the uh, yada yada yada? The head to head makes it easy, and then um, but then after that, after that, it gets pretty complicated. So, you know, I think what's even tougher, Ted, is when you go into a preparation week and your guys are saying, you know, okay, so this is a playoff game for us. We get that. Um, but it's not your typical playoff game unless another team beats another team. And so right. if it is that three-way tie, do we in 15-11 win by four? So, um, you know, I think for us and the message that we want to send to our team is that um, – we need to we need to play this game well, and and if you put other factors in front of that, uh, we'll have some goals in terms of what victory really means. Um, but either way, we got to win the game, and that's the that's the primary thing is let's 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 focus on the ways that we do that first. And um, what we want our guys to recognize is that every time we prepare uh, for our opponent. As a coaching staff, we're looking at ways where we can score the most goals and ways to prevent them from scoring a lot of goals. And um, I think if you make it more complicated than that, Ted, you're confusing your potential momentum. You're halting uh, what type of groove you could get in. And you're also making it more about um, outside factors than what you can control. And so what we want our guys to know is that First, we we ain't special. We're, I mean, you look across the country, you know, I just uh, I had a conversation with the Yale coach, who's a good buddy, and he's like, if we beat Harvard, we're in the Ivy Tournament, and if we don't, we're out. And that's that. That's another team in the same scenario we're in. Um, and then look at the Patriot League. You look at the, the um, um, any any conference, really, you're going to have to win multiple playoff games in order to win a conference championship, or you're going to have to even win one last conference game in order to get into the conference tournament to win a conference championship. So that's how we need to see this. What we're doing is not heroic. What we're doing is not out of the ordinary. And the position we're in is unfortunate, and we're upset that we're here. But at the same time, we have to win a game. And we ain't playing the the world team. We ain't playing Virginia on Friday. We're playing a team that's very good, uh, great in the goal. Uh, they're they're exceptional on defense. They hold teams to eight goals a game. We get all that, but it's a beatable team, and a team that if we play well, um, or if we put our best foot forward, every game Ted's a new opportunity for us to find the best version of who we are as a team. That's no different on Friday evening. So we have to diminish all those outside factors. We have to make sure that we're not too confused or, or too focused on the wrong things. We need to be very prepared to play the game well on Friday against a team that's going up 
against very similar circumstances as us. They're all week long. UMass is saying, we got to win this game. That's all we know. We got to win this game. And then the future presents itself, but it doesn't until we do. And so it's about essentially brother, who's going to be tougher on a Friday night. And here, before we dive into UMass, uh, to me, this is the biggest takeaway about the Atlantic 10. There have been eight games this year involving the one through five teams. Six of them have been one or two goals. There is basically, you can take the top five in this league, shake them up in a bag, and dump them out, and they'll come out five different ways. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, we're 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 at a place where we know we can compete with all these teams. I think that's the most frustrating part is is you know missed opportunities and and you know the the easy the easy ways that that high point game is a victory. Um, the the easy ways that that St. Joe's game is a victory, even with with all the injuries we had in that game and what we're what we're kind of dealing with and and uh and then the same thing with Richmond you know Richmond we believe is probably the most talented team and, and um but uh you know we still believe that that's a winnable game Ted you know maybe I'm optimistic who knows but I, I there there isn't a team in this league that we really don't feel like we can beat and um and we also know that you win this game you get to the Atlantic 10 tournament and it's a new season we've been there plenty of times I've been the fourth seed in a conference tournament and won that tournament. I've been the first seed and lost it. I, you know, it's, it, you know, you, you got, you got to get there. And then it's a one day, it's a one game day. That's it. It's a, it's a, um, it's a winner go home scenario. And I think being in this spot Friday night, we get some experience in that, in that sense, you know, we kind of had it against Richmond. We knew what we needed, uh, but we knew we wouldn't be dead in the water if, so-and-so happened and you've still got a little bit of life and now we're, we're going to have some practice with a winner go home situation and so and if we're fortunate enough to put that best foot forward we're going to have a lot of confidence going to that Atlantic 10 tournament we really are and we're going to have uh, a great hunger to us where and there's going to be some redemption in there as well which um all signs point to yes for an underdog. We just we know uh, we know we want to be there, and, and we're going to work our butts off to to make sure that we put our best foot forward to make it happen. I see a lot of Hobart in UMass. I mean, it's hard to believe Greg Canella's been there twenty nine years. I was broadcasting games back at UMass when uh, when they were known as Garber's Gorillas. I think that tells you what you need to know about UMass. Oh yeah, and we have a ton of respect for him. It's funny you say that, Ted, because you know we. Um, um, Tell the the short version of this. We had a lot of comparisons with a lot of these teams in this league. This this new A10 with what we had in the NEC, and you know, and how we started with the NEC. And I think I might have commented on this uh, last week with the similarities we see in a, in a Richmond and a Bryant, and the similarities we see with a, like a High Point and a Robert Morris, and then the um, uh, you know the St. Joe's is the St. Joe's. I mean, they're they're clearly the same program. And then, and also it's like, well, who's UMass? And, you know, I'm talking to coach Brunage and coach fish. I'm like, you know what? They're, they're us, you know, they're, they're underdogs. They're about toughness. They're about grit. You know, there's, there's not, they're not a ton of flash in how they play that, that, you know, if you look back to why they adopted, you know, that, that nickname, the, the gorillas is, is all about, um, 
the way they want to win games and the way they want to play. And and I, I respect Greg so much. I, I've talked to him more this year than I ever have. And um, I just, every time I've seen his team play, they play hard and, and they're physical. And, and even in the CAA where we fought a lot of that, they always ended up being there at the end and and fighting to have a better outcome. And, and um, even when they had a couple of Rocky seasons, they, they found ways to figure it out. And I think we pride ourselves a lot on that same ideology. So um, we have a ton of respect for them. We have no history with them whatsoever. And we're not going to make any up. Uh, you know, I think if, if our guys aren't motivated for this scenario and understand what's coming our way on a senior night for uh, the circumstances for our opponent as they, you know, very similar to the circumstances of us, then, um, you know, I, I'm not sure we can really help our guys find any motivation. But uh, we 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 think a great deal and, and have a great amount of respect for for Coach Canella and, uh, and, and how he runs his ship up there. One of the reasons they're able to be so physical, they're third in the country man down, so they're not afraid to take a penalty here and there because they figure they can kill it. Yeah, you know, I, and we we talked about this as well. We go back to the you know a couple of years ago when when we were the number one man down team in the country, and and you know Jackson Brown was in the goal, and um, and he was just really hard to score on, you know. So one, you don't you get to be you know a low man down unit by not fouling a lot, and then and then but if you do, uh, you know, uh, the. The goalie that UMass has is, you know, saving the ball a little over sixty percent, and you know is arguably one of the better goaltenders in the country. So, um, all things you do defensively revolve around that guy between the pipes, and I think they got a ton of confidence in him. How much do you have to think about that when you shoot? You want to make good decisions, but you don't want to be thinking too much. I mean, obviously, you know, you can't throw lollipops at this guy. You got to move him. You got to make every shot count. Yeah, that, that goes back to the point that I made to start this podcast against against Richmond. You you have to prepare, and then within that preparation, you put um, the routine into the plan you have for attack. So when our guys are doing their shooting, when our guys are are putting in any edge work, when our guys are or doing anything with their hands free, they understand this has got to be off a of feed, or this is, we got to move him back to front. We got to move him pipe to pipe, and you know if we do that goals go in if he stares you down they don't and um if you do these certain things they don't and if you shoot to these spots he's probably pretty good um that's where the focus comes in Ted that's where attention to detail comes in and you know just like we and when we talk in our credo all the time details drive our discipline little things matter here and if those little things are going to matter to us on Friday then you know we don't have to think too much when we shoot that we've already put the details in prior to that moment when our hands are free. And um, that's the mark of a mature group is that, okay, I've, I've worked on this. I'm not going to guess. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to, I'm I'm ready to let this thing fly where it's supposed to go and where I know it can happen, or I'm not going to shoot this one because I know he's been staring at me for the last four seconds and that's where he's pretty good. So I think you, you, you just have to answer your question. You just have to prepare and you have to trust that preparation. And if you do, it, you know, you can you can kind of cut the head off the snake. And there's no doubt, man, he's the he's the bully at the bus stop. He he makes them go. And if you can take that bully down, um, then you know, I'm not sure where UMass is without the strength in that in that goaltender. And that's where we have to get to. We have to have their best players, their best players just gotta have a difficult day. 
and um, we'll see if we can get that done. Friday afternoon, 5 p.m. at Garber Field at UMass. And, uh, Coach, I really think we're going to see a classic game on Friday, and I I just really want to see this team in the A-10 tournament because you, you talked about winning it as a four-seed in the NEC. Uh, you could do it again, and uh, let's hope that the, the cards align right and uh, everybody makes plays Friday. I think so too, Ted. And uh, to all the Hobart faithful, we're, we're all in, man. Our guys are working their butts off this week. we got a great game plan that we're proud of, that we've been executing well. And like you said, we can't wait to get up there and go at this thing and, and see what we're made of. All right, find this podcast at Apple Podcasts or wherever you go to get your podcasts. Of course, it's on the official athletics website where you get all your information. That's hwsathletics.com. We've been talking with the head coach of the Statesman, Greg Raymond. And until Friday, have a great lacrosse week, everyone.